Special guest, Tyler Hero. Miami is a place where if you like to work, then it's, it's good for you because I feel like, you know, they hold you to a good, a higher standard. We have a great group of guys in our locker room for sure. Who do I think should be rookie of the year? Kendrick Nunn should definitely be in the conversation for sure. But I think what Ja has done is just took things to the next level. The WNBA draft is about to happen, and Sabrina's a lock to be the number one pick going to New York. How dope is that? Obviously, she's going to the Mecca of basketball. She has a huge brand. Welcome to the 105th episode of Pull Up. That's right, 105 episodes. We've gone so far. We made it so far. So many episodes. I'm here in Oregon still, continuing to practice social distancing, continuing to stay out the way, leaving the house only when it's a necessity, uh, groceries, Petco, and that's about it. Those are the only times I leave the house besides when I go on social distancing walks with Fiona. Um, we want to take this time to, to, to recognize Carl Anthony Towns and, and to send prayers up to his family um, after the passing of his, his mother due to coronavirus complications. So that is a very tough situation. And uh, we once again want to tell people how serious this coronavirus is and to remind your loved ones, especially those who are over the age of 50, to, to really stay inside because this thing is serious. Outside of that, Jordan, it was Easter Sunday this past Sunday for me, as well as Passover for you. How did you spend this time with your family and loved ones? And what was the best meal you had the last week? Thank you for recognizing my Pesach. Uh, it was quite good. We had a coriander salmon with some ginger, put a little cinnamon. It was very good. Baked it. That was a, it was a clutch meal. And then, oh, I got a new wine called Relic. It's it's a Pinot. We're not we're not at cue the wine music, but we did have a great Pinot with it. So I really enjoyed that. And uh, I'm curious what your favorite meal was. You have to text me that wine so I can add it to my list. But uh, I requested uh classic Sunday meal. So I had the uh, mac and cheeses. Cheeses. Uh, <laughs> cheeses. You know, shout out to- What kind of cheese? Shout out to our Lord. Um, all types of cheese. I'm not even sure what types of cheeses were on it, but it was very cheesy. Uh, delicious mac and cheese. I had collard greens. I had dressing. Um, candied yams. Made from scratch. Ooh, the sauce was handmade to it. It was sensational. Uh, fried chicken wings. Uh, homemade baked chocolate chip cookies. Oh, that's the best. I went to Nothing work. Like There's still that. some left. We're gonna put you gotta put the bread in there to keep them soft afterwards. Uh, that's the that's the go-to. So for those of you out there, you cookie lovers, if you're not gonna eat your cookies right away, break up a piece of bread and put it in the bag or put it in the little the the really the, the can or whatever you have, and it'll keep the cookies soft. That's a little hidden gem for you, one of those hood legend secrets that I'm exposing uh, to the real world. So you all are welcome for that. But outside of that, um, I took a week off of no alcohol. I just want to give myself a little cleanse, a little break. And I'm back. I'm back like I never left. (laughs) Come back wearing the 45. For you, you're wearing the 2-1. Denzel Ward. (sighs) Denzel. Denzel. How did you feel after taking the wine hiatus? I felt good. Um... Just a little break, a little cleanse. Usually I would do two two to three weeks of a cleanse, but I didn't feel like that was necessary uh, due to circumstances. Um, but I think one week's solid. Yeah, one week like, of all water. So I just I don't drink any orange juice or nothing. It's just water. I'm just banging out water uh, all day, over 100 ounces, trying to get as many ounces as possible per day um, to kind of 
know, flush this system, uh, to rehydrate and, and really focus on, you know, some of these workouts I'm doing. Obviously, it's not the same as when I play, but I just try to stay as hydrated as possible and just give my body, you know, different looks, you know, kind of balance things out. But it's been cool uh, to, to kind of challenge yourself when you have nothing else to really do uh, in the house. You got to find little small challenges uh, for yourself. What's the what's the what's the hardest workout you've done during this time? Oh, Todd's been sending us workouts uh, biweekly, so um, they've been they've been pretty tough. Um, there's hard like body weight stuff, body weight, but I also have so I got kettlebells, I got medicine balls, um, ladders, jump ropes, bands. Uh, my Kaiser machine gets in tomorrow. Um, also have the the Peloton bike. I think I'm gonna order another Peloton bike because the adjustment period we have to go through from Elise riding to me riding is a, is a lot. Uh, it's kind of tedious, and I'm sweating on the the handles, and <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting it in. So uh, probably have to get one, another one of those. But the low the lower body workouts have been tough. That's a lot of different lunges. Uh, uh, what about what about lunge, um, lunges, squats, all that stuff? Yeah, I was gonna say like what kind of explosive stuff just to keep keep sharp there. Yeah, we they they uh, implement a lot of jumping, so. Um, trying to get your touches, your, your higher impact stuff, but like in place, a little bit of movement, resistance slides, um, resistant movements, RDLs. A lot of it is is just stability, movement, and then you load it with some weights, kind of figure out, you know, what weight is appropriate uh, depending on the exercise, squat jumps, stuff like that, because the impact that I'm having now, it doesn't compare to the impact I face when I'm out there playing and running around. Yeah, it's really interesting because... Like I, I was listening to, I can't remember what it was, and um, the, it was a pod, and they were basically talking about how Dame hasn't shot a ball. I know you haven't shot a ball. I imagine most guys haven't been able to get to a hoop. So I'm curious, like, what's the – because I know for me, for me as a shooter, after a, a week, 10 days, that, that thing started feeling a lot different. For you, with all the built-up muscle memory, how long do you think it'll take you to get back into the – the groove in terms of your shooting and ball handling, like, cause obviously there will be a certain amount of time it'll take. Yeah. It'll take me some time for sure. I think the NBA proposed, you know, 25 day period, you know, with some individual workouts, uh, mini training camp, and then you kind of resume play. But, uh, it usually takes me a few weeks to feel like I'm, I'm back to myself in terms of shooting and ball handling. Like that comes back quick. I can do it. It's just the rhythm thing of, of implementing that into actual gameplay. But if I went and worked out right now, I would just be a little rusty for the first few minutes and then like the shots would start going in, the ball would kind of feel uh, normal again. Uh, usually just takes I don't know, 15 minutes into a workout before I feel comfortable. But in terms of being able to play a game, my timing would just be a little off. That would be it. Timing would be a little suspect. Not, But not necessarily conditioning. Well, it's still close. Like I'm still close to my playing weight. Like I'm close to where... Uh, I can return. Like, I'm I'm staying close. Like, I'm staying seven to 10 days away. So, if I did two days for seven to 10 days, like basketball workouts, like I would be good. I'd be able to get back and, like, look look like I uh, was working out the whole time. But that's just about, like, what type of conditioning you're doing at home and what type of dieting you're doing at home and how you're kind of preparing. But Chef has kind of changed up the meals uh, in terms less of carbs, less carbs, more vegetables. Uh, uh, smaller portions, more meals per day. Like a lot of that stuff has affected my body and how I, I change when I'm not lifting and working the same. But when I'm in season, obviously how I eat is different because of the amount of energy I'm exerting. Yeah, man. I, well, I, I will say this. I, I, I would I would be very excited or uh, I would be down to do a, a nice Peloton class. 
with you. Oh, you're, trying, you're, trying to get, you're trying to get a Peloton? You got Peloton bike with you? I have one. Yeah, I have one. And uh, Oh, man. I like it. I'd be really interested to see how, I, how we would compare. Well, you know, because I... Cause, <laughs> Cause during this time, I've been I've been grinding. You said you've been grinding, huh? I really have been. I've dropped, dude. I've dropped some some real weight. It's like the quarantine, the quarantine uh, effect. Your neck, your neck actually looks skinnier from where I'm sitting. Really? Yeah. Look at it. My dog. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I am wearing black, but um, I appreciate that. Uh, which actually leads, leads me to my next question: is you talked about well. You're going to talk about Myers and some of your favorite teammates later. I I, I know we're we're going to hit on that with with Tyler Hero. But if you had to be quarantined with three teammates, who would they be? I say Evan, Dame, Melo. Melo gets the nod. I love it. That's a unique group. You got like everybody brings different attributes to the table. You got laughter. You got fun. Everybody has their own buns. You know what I'm saying? That's a factor. That's a factor. You know, you're by yourself. You're stuck in quarantine. You got to be able to order food or make food appear. <laughs> so you got to figure that out. The eating process is, is is crucial. But you need to be able to have a good time in terms of laughter and stuff. So uh, I think I think that's the combination. But I would have fun with a lot of the guys because everybody's such everybody's everybody's good dudes, man. We got a lot of good players uh, in terms of personalities and how they behave. So it would be easy to to get along uh, with. It's pretty pretty much any combination of those people. What about a a, a quarantine with Coach Terry? <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> He's so laid back though, like and chill. He just be watching TV shows. He goes on his walks. He walks a lot. Um, they have a dog, so. He's able to kind of get out the house and and do some different things. But I mean, I could have said anybody. I could have said D Wright. I could have said Earl Watson. Will Barton, like everybody is cool. So like I would I would have had a good time with Chris Kamen. Any combination of those people would have been would have been cool. Especially Chris because he's self sufficient. He has his own farm. Like he knows how to like make make this situation last as long as it needs to in terms of being self sufficient. He's got that that central Michigan or western Michigan uh feel to him. He he does everything, right? He he gardens, hunts. Yeah. He, he hydro. He gets a little bit of everything done. He's like the uh, the ultimate Renaissance man. Interesting. Uh, I got a new book for you. Uh, I brought it here. Oh, that's common. Pull up guests. Yeah, common. Let love have the last word. Um, powered through this in about two days. It is great. And um, common is is one of the best dudes there is. And it's uh, his whole thing is about like love and respect. And the book is just an honest uh, look into how we can. How you can be better, you know, a better person, better friend, better son, everything. So that's my that's my book. How about you? Have you had a good book, good read recently? Uh, the True Measure of a Man. This is what I'm reading. I'm almost done. Basically, it, it does some storytelling, you know, about history, but ultimately, it just touches on the the perception of what we believe is the ultimate measure of a man, like what what success looks like. Uh, from our point of view as a, as a man in society. And a lot of it, a lot of it, you know, personally, uh, person to person deals with how the world views you. So like what you do for a living, how much money you make, what your peers think about you. And and it's basically telling you, you know, that that's, that's not how we should view success. That's not the perception we should have of ourselves. It shouldn't matter what our peers think. It shouldn't matter what we do for a living or how much money we make. That shouldn't define who we are uh, as people, but it kind of goes into detail about, you know, different stories and how ultimately, uh, a lot of times the downfall of a man is because he's trying to impress 
you know, his peers and trying to make people think highly of him instead of just living his life. But it's good. And it's not like a long read either. It's it's quick. But I like it. It was recommended to me and it's a very, very powerful book. Sounds great, man. You're, I'm like in a day, like a trance <laughs> thinking about that book. It sounds awesome. Yeah. And it has a bar in there. It basically, it has a, it has a statement that basically says the most important person in your life their their opinion so basically like as a kid the most important person in your life is your parents usually so you're striving you know to basically make them happy like their opinion of you is is what you value most and then as you get older and kind of shift into the working world your coworkers' opinions of you is, is kind of what you value most. So it kind of shifts and it, it talks about that, that shift. Can you relate to that though? Cause you're in such a unique field, like your coworkers are your teammates. So do you relate to that? Yeah. In a sense of like, I compare it to this like, as a basketball player, although I don't care what people think about me because I've reached a point where I just go live my life and like, I know who I am and I'm confident and comfortable with who I am. But when you're younger, you want the, you want approval by your peers you want to be stamped like when another player says you're nice or like he's this or he's that like that makes you feel good on the inside like because they play with me they're in the same level they see everybody they've gone up against everybody like people like I always say like we know who's who like as a player you know who's real as a journalist you know who's good journalist and who's not so when you get approval by your peers not just teammates but people that work in the same um the same career as you I think it means more than a casual fan or someone just saying like, oh, he's nice. I think you appreciate the casual fan like liking your game, but you really appreciate it when, when there's an expert who does the same stuff as you saying that you're, you're good at it and they sign off on you. That's dope. So I, I kind of like, I, I, agreed with, I agreed with that part, like that point of it, because although we're all self-sufficient and self-secure and self secure, secure after a certain point in our lives, like you do love to hear encouragement and, and good things uh, from your peers, especially uh, even if it's coworkers. Like I can imagine if I worked the nine to five, like I would like to be recognized for being good at my nine to five, like by my peers, that people that work alongside me and in other districts and in parts of the world. Yeah. You're right about like journalists knowing I, w- I didn't even think about it like that, but like I, I know who's real and, and who, who's, who works hard and, you know who's great, who's really great at their job and who's taking the easy way out. Like, yeah. we all know. And who's genuine and who's not. Exactly. Like, all that and stuff And you can matters. hide it. You can hide it. But it comes out, yeah. How would you compare, then, the, like, assurance or respect from your peers, so your teammates and other guys you play against, compared to other coaches? Like, what would the comparison be? No, I think... I think that that falls under the the peer catalog. Uh, coaches are high level professionals who evaluate the game. You play against them, you compete against them, so they have a great understanding of who you are as a player and what you're capable of. So I think that's, uh, to be honest, that that's equally relevant, and, and sometimes in some cases more more relevant because they've been involved in the game uh, for so long. Yeah, shifting. The page a little bit. Uh, I tried to think of a transition, but I didn't have one. There's a lot of people out there who, people, there's a lot of players out there who are in position to kind of take control of their own brands. You have the LaMelo Balls of the world. We have another player who's taking a similar but different path and deciding not to go to college. Uh, Jalen Green, um, one of the best players in the country, has decided to take the NBA G League path. They're going to be creating a team for him. Jordan, you have a lot more details than me. He's going to be making a lot more money than he would have made uh, by going to college and still has the opportunity to go back to college and attend and, and get his degree. What do you think about this decision? 
So I'm not as surprised um, because I, I had been told months back that Jalen Green was considering the pro route, although I thought it would be more so of like the Brandon Jennings go to Italy or RJ Hampton and LaMelo Ball go to Australia and New Zealand. That being said, it is a little bit, I wonder how much this is the sign of the of the new times because as of right now, obviously, we don't have a high school to the NBA rule. There will be a new CBA, and that will be a significant um, that will be a significant topic of conversation. But I I think that we're going to start seeing more and more of this, regardless. CJ, Jalen Green, for those who don't know, number one overall prospect, prolific prep, just an absolute stud, and he he, if he was in this draft as a seventeen year old. Um, he would have been a one of the top picks. He he's really that good. So my biggest thing is like big is the big picture here of is this more of what we're going to see regardless of what happens in terms of the uh, the prep to the NBA rule. It's just more of what we're going to see. Guys just saying I don't need to go to college. Let me just go get paid a year earlier. I absolutely think players are going to take this route, especially due to circumstances and in the state of the NCAA right now. Um, I think a lot of players uh, feel like the NCAA at times is taking advantage of them, um, their likeness, their name, and they have an opportunity to go make money right away while playing on a big stage. Um, I think it's something you have to consider, especially if you know you're going to be a one-and-done type of athlete. If you know you're not going to finish college anyway, I think this is something you have to to consider exploring. You look at a LaMelo Ball who went overseas, was paid, and still, you know, maintained – his chances of being a, a top top 10 pick, I think he's still in consideration for potentially being the number one overall pick. Uh, I think a lot of players are watching and, and seeing how that's going. you got RJ, uh, who's also in position to be a top pick. So I think a lot of players who are good enough uh, are going to consider hiring agents and, and becoming professionals a lot sooner uh, than they, they probably would in, in past years because of people's hatred for the NCAA at this point. I think a lot of people are fed up and sick of it and want to and want to take advantage of their name and likeness right away. And Isaiah Todd's another guy, another top recruit. He was committed to Michigan, blue chip player, says he's now going pro. So you can start to see how this could domino, but... I wonder, like, so the the whole deal is that the G League was paying guys 125k. Now they're upping it. Now they're upping it to 500. At what point, or what's the number? Is 500 the number where it's enough? Uh, it's enough. It's it's enticing enough for players of that caliber to say, "I'm going to go. I'm going to go that route." Because there are downfalls to playing the G League: empty gyms, bad travel, bad accommodations, stuff that you wouldn't have to deal with. Um, if you're playing at a major program like a Michigan or a Memphis or wherever? I think if you have a chance to make a half a million dollars uh, while competing at a high level in front of NBA executives, you have to consider it, especially if you know you're going to potentially go pro early. For some guys, I think college is necessary. Um, you need time to develop. You need to play in front of scouts. You need to go compete at, at the collegiate level. And you may not be ready uh, to to be an adult, so to speak. When you become a professional athlete and give up your amateur status, you're basically saying you want to become an adult and assume adult responsibilities, paying bills, uh, being being more um, responsible for your actions as opposed to when you're in college, you're excused for some of the things you do because you're still considered a kid. But now I think that the money is, has raised to those levels. I think people are going to be invested uh, in potentially making that, that opportunity available to them. Yeah, and see, the reason why this is really good to me when I think about the ramifications of it is to your point about the NCA, this now puts pressure 
on the NCAA to improve their status for players. So to say to their kids, okay, maybe we can allow you to profit off your likeness, whether it's for a jersey or a video game. Maybe we can give you a larger stipend for food. Whatever it is, to me, this move by the NBA, by Adam Silver in the G League as well, is now putting pressure, quality pressure, on the NCAA that it never had before. I like it. I like it a lot. I think that the NCAA is going to be at a crossroads here where they're going to lose a lot of um, high-level players due to either going overseas or going to the G League, especially if these if these potential freshmen have a chance to make a half a million dollars. They can sign shoe deals right away. They can uh, begin uh, taking on money on, on different endorsement deals and campaigns. I think it's a, a decision that should be thought about carefully, obviously. But if I knew I was going to go to school for six months and then go to the NBA, I probably would not go to school if I had a chance to make a half a million dollars. And I knew there was a proven track record of players who had done something similar to this and and gone on to become professional athletes in the NBA. I think you have to consider it uh, nine times out of 10, unless you just want that college experience. Yeah. And that's, that's a great point. You know, Isaiah Todd, Jalen Green, and now a few others, they'll be the original, you know, first dominoes to fall. If they have success, especially early on, you know, let's say their first two, three years, and then get a bigger deal. If they have success, real tangible success, then I believe we'll see more and more of it moving forward, um, regardless of what the NCAA does. Yeah, we're definitely going to see more and more of it. The NCAA at some point is going to have to pay players. They don't know how they're going to structure it, how they're going to go about it, but it's I think it's an inevitable uh, part of the NCAA and how it'll kind of uh, progress, so to speak. Yeah, 500 feels like about that number, a half a million dollars feels like the right number. It depends on the player. Some players are worth more, honestly, and some players are worth less. So I think it depends on the player, what his ceiling is. If you're projected to be the first pick in the draft, and as you said before, this kid is, is good enough to have gone pro right now and been picked as a top 10 player. Uh, you look at the contract sl- uh, slate for a top 10 player in the NBA draft. Uh, you're looking at anywhere from, what, one point, I don't know, eight, probably two million slotted, two, two million to, what, 3.3 million over the course of three years. Um, after taxes, you're looking at a, a fraction of that. So I think depending on the player and how long this season potentially is going to be, because think about it, they have to uh, structure a schedule. They have to figure out the travel accommodations, who they're going to play. Are they going to Europe? Are they going to play NBA teams? Will there be preseason games? There's a lot of things they have to still factor in, but I feel like they're in a position to kind of experiment. And as it goes on and as it progresses, it's only going to get better and and attract more and more players. Yeah. And remember when you when you take that step toward the pros and you go to the G League, not only is Jalen Green getting $500,000, but he's now that much closer to a shoe deal. He can talk to shoe companies and get an endorsement contract when he's 17 years old. That would have been completely off the table had he been playing at Memphis, for example, where he was considering going. Exactly. So he's going to become a multimillionaire as a 17-year-old because getting to 500,000 minimum and then he's going to get shoe deals he's going to get beverage deals he's going to start bringing in stuff to where he's going to be a millionaire right away as opposed to having to play out a season you know, be cautious with how you move you can't take this can't take that must go to class now you're a full-time professional athlete you're working out your job is to become better at your sport and to preserve your body I love that as we're recording this the WNBA draft is about to happen and it's it's crazy it's sad that we're in the we're in a 
we're in a time where they can't physically go to the draft and be drafted. This is tough. A lot of graduates, a lot of uh, NFL players are going to go through it. NBA players are going to go through it as well. Um, this is unprecedented times, but we still must touch on it. Sabrina's a lot to be the number one pick going to New York. How dope is that? That's, I think that's cool. I think that's a cool uh, aspect of it. Um, obviously, she's going to the Mecca of basketball. She has a huge brand. She's coming from an Oregon school. This is the other kicker. Is she going to sign with Nike or Under Armour? Why wouldn't it be Nike? She's been working out with Steph. I did see that, yeah. I can't imagine. You got. You know they're going after oh, of her. Course. You know everybody. Going but after I can't her. imagine that Sabrina would say no to Nike given her allegiances to Oregon. I mean, I, I, I just can't. Especially in New York, like I just don't think Under Armour has anywhere near the reach that uh, in New York that Nike has here. It's a it's like a big deal. I mean, the, Nike Town New York is like is massive. Outside of Kobe, she's a huge Kobe fan. They were friends. Steph Curry is that next mentor for her. So it's I think it's a coin flip. I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance she could walk away from Nike. You never know, though. Maybe she goes there. Maybe she picks a completely different brand. Maybe she signs with Lee Ning. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Well, remember, Nike screwed up Steph's pitch when they when they called him... Uh, Stefan? Steven? Steven? Steven or Ste <laughs> Stefan, yeah. <laughs> Stefan. So not only is Steph with Under Armour, but there's already some old bad blood festering between Nike and, and Steph. So I, I could I guess I could see it, but I would be really, really surprised. Yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting to say the least. And I think what I'm gonna do, since you challenged me to a Peloton, order your shoes. Okay. I'm gonna order another bike and I'm gonna invite some of my community followers. Community? What's that? What is that? So I became a, mem a member of the community app, basically. I gave my number out. To, to the masses oh, I saw and have that. been responding yeah, right. have been responding to people and, and trying to text back as many people as I can but there's like thousands of messages so it takes me a, a little while but two things I'm going to do with the community app now first things first we've got an episode coming out next week I'm going to ask some people from the community app to leave their questions uh, please reach out questions anything you want us to talk about anything you'd like us to discuss on the podcast I will read them filter them and Ask them. The second thing is, once Jordan gets his shoes, we're going to invite people to the Peloton wow. situation. Ooh. I am we got to spice this up. It can't just be me and you riding against each other. No, that's weak. Because I'll beat <laughs> we gotta, you. So. We got to bring some, uh, some uh, people. We got to bring some people in. So here's what we're going to do. We're asking all our listeners out there to send in questions for next week's episode using the pull up pod hashtag for the last episode before the hiatus. So what you have to do is leave your question with the hashtag pull up pod. First thing you do. Then once Jordan gets his shoes, <laughs> we're going to reach back out and we're going to do the Peloton challenge. The number, just for those of you out there that don't have the number, the number is 503 743 0354. Jordan, you can sign up too if you want to. 503-743-0354. Don't go anywhere because after the break, we have a special treat. We'll be speaking with Miami Heat rookie Tyler Hero. That's coming up after the break. Stay tuned.
Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Right now, we want to welcome our special guest. He hails from Greenfield, Wisconsin. Uh, he's initially actually committed to Wisconsin before backing out to head to Kentucky. He was drafted 13th overall in the first round in 2019 draft of the Miami Heat. He goes by the nickname Boy Wonder. Had no idea, but it's nice to know that you have a nickname named Boy Wonder. It was given him by his college teammates in Kentucky where he studied communications. He wasn't there long because after about five months, it was time for him to get to the league. Special guest, Tyler. Hero. Appreciate y'all having me on. Thank you. No problem. Welcome to the Pull Up Pod. It's quarantine. It's social distancing. It's all those things and more. How have you been able to kind of still work out? I know we have Zoom. I know we have all these options. How have you been able to kind of keep focused during these tough times? And how's your family doing as well? Cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm doing good. My family's good. They're back in Milwaukee. Um, uh, just staying inside, you know, making sure my, my little brothers I have, they're doing good. So, but in Miami, I'm just inside playing video games, you know, just staying up to date on, you know, film and stuff like that, doing Zoom workouts with the team. But there's not much going on. You know, we're all going through the same thing. Ty, so, like, give us a sense of your day-to-day schedule and how it's changed, obviously, the last five, six weeks, you know. And, and the Zoom workouts with the team, like, obviously, there's no basketball. So how are you able to stay productive throughout this time? Yeah, um, obviously it's a lot different, you know, now not being able to really leave the house. Obviously, going to the arena every morning was part of, you know, my routine, getting up early, going to the arena, getting some shots up before practice. And now it's like just Zoom workouts at, you know, 11 a.m. with the team. You know, they they sent a couple bands and weights to the house and we're pretty much just doing that Zoom workouts in the living room and really trying to make that work. Um, we've been I've been outside a couple of times doing – um, you know, some sprints and stuff outside, just trying to stay in shape as best as I can. Have you been able to shoot a basketball at all during this time? I think I've been talking to my friends, and this is the longest This is the longest I've ever gone without shooting in my life. I think I shot a ball one time. Before they they actually closed all the parks, I went, I went to a park one day, and that was it. But it's been like two and a half weeks. I haven't shot a ball. And lucky you, it's been um, 27 days. I took the break. I took the break because I felt like I felt like they were going to shut down the practice facilities anyway. So I didn't go the first five days, and then day six I went, and day seven they shut it down, so I couldn't go back. Uh. <laughs> so yeah, I got a little taste of working out, and then it was over for me. But in terms of the stuff we're doing, basically the same stuff. Um, we've had some Zoom yoga sessions. Um, guys are working out at home, medicine balls, jump rope, and basically. Uh, we joke, you can only get gel workouts in at this point unless you have a full gym. You can push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups, dips. That's basically all all you can really do um, during these times. 
So, CJ, I know you've been running hills a little bit, right? And, Tyler, you're inside. Do you ever feel like, Tyler, that the days – we were talking about this earlier, but that the days are molding together to the point where you have to remind yourself of, like, I got to do this today. Maybe I have to get this done, like, just to try to stay productive and stay mentally active? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, every day starting to feel like the same day. Like, this is never going to end. Like, it's just every day is the same. But uh, Coach Spo really, uh, when he called me the other day, he just wanted to make sure, like, I was keeping up on a routine. He said that's going to be, like, the biggest thing. Just really just try to stay produ- productive, you know, whether it's reading a book or just doing something different, you know, try to better yourself in a, in a different way during this time. That's one of the things I've noticed. If you don't set a a schedule each day, whether it's eat at this time, read at this time, watch your TV shows at this time, play video games at this time, your day will just kind of run. It'll all run together. And the next thing you know, you put together a week of of eating bad, staying up till 3 a.m. and watching Netflix uh, until 5 a.m. <laughs> so I've tried to I've tried to put together a, a little schedule of just calls at this time. I'm gonna do this at this time. These are my workout. These are my allotted workout times and. Um, it's, it's been helpful, but it's still, it's still hard to, it's hard to train when you don't know what you're training for. Exactly. Cause we don't know when this is going to end. It's insane. I, I want to talk to you a little bit about your rookie year before we get back into to summertime. Um, you kind of burst on the scene in summer league. I would say I had watched you a little bit. I don't watch a lot of college basketball, but I watched you a little bit because I heard the Devin Booker comparisons. I've seen the jump shot, the size. So I wanted to kind of see. I was like, let me see if he got some Devin Booker in him. <laughs> but I, I like your game. I think it translates. I feel like you you were playing well, then you went through some injuries. What was your rookie season like early on? And um, tell me about the practices. I know the Miami Heat practices, from what I've heard, can be very competitive, a lot of conditioning. How did you adjust from going uh, from Kentucky to Miami? Well, for sure. I think Kentucky really prepared me for um, – obviously Miami I think the way that coach Cal pretty much just prepares his players and what he puts them through is you know as far as development and things like that after one year he kind of prepared me for <clears throat> coach Bowen you know what Pat Riley does as you said with the conditioning and the practices stuff like that but I mean Miami's a place where if you if you like to work then it's, it's good for you because I feel like you know they hold you to a good a higher standard um now obviously it's my first team I've been on so I've really don't know what to compare it to, but I definitely believe that we worked uh, pretty hard, I would say, like you said. Tyler, did the Kentucky practices and feel of a Kentucky program, we talked about BBN earlier, did that prepare you or how did it prepare you for the NBA in terms of on, off the court pressure, everything that goes along with being at Kentucky? How did that translate to the NBA? Yeah, for sure. I tell people all the time, it's like, Going to Kentucky is more than just going and playing basketball. You know, like you said, the pressure that comes with it, wanting having to perform every night. Um, and then the practices are just different. You know, I'm not the only pro that went college. So just going up against different pros every single day in practice, you know, really, you know, helped my development every day. Just going against guys who are bigger than me, stronger than me, really helped me out. You talked about competing in practice. One of the guys that loves to compete and gets to the gym early is Jimmy Butler. How has he, he impacted your career so far? And do you have any funny Jimmy stories? Because I know he's a he's quite the character. Uh, yeah, he is the character. Um, he uh, he flew me to Chicago uh, over the summer. We, we worked out there um, for a while, for like a week, week and a half. We were getting up like five, six in the morning every single day, um, just working out throughout the summer, right before the uh, training camp started. So that was that was good. He really shined some light on me just seeing how hard he works, even though, you know, how good he is and 
Yeah, that's like t- testimony to you too. Obviously, like guys like yourself who are who've done so much, but they they still work hard and continue to get better. So that's Jimmy's really, you know, helped me in that way. Tyler, can you shed some light onto the, you know, the practice with you and Jimmy, where I know that he he turned to you early on and trusted you early on, and I know you hit a I think it was a game winner in practice, and that did that help at all, or take us through that. Uh, yeah, I think the first day he got to Miami, like there, the whole team was just like Jimmy Tyler, you got to guard Jimmy. Jimmy, you got to guard Tyler. And they pretty much were just going at me. Jimmy was putting me in the post, all that. So it was, it was just like um, he just liked how you know I went back at him. You know, I just obviously respect his game and who he is. So I just tried to you know go back at him and show him I can play a little bit. You talked about work ethic, being able to compete. I think a lot of that came from from your father. What type of influence was he in your life, and is he still to this day? I know a lot of times in the NBA, you have your circle of friends. For me, I got a circle of friends. I got my family, my brother, who I talk to every day. How has he kind of kept you sane? I actually got a chance to meet him during All-Star break. He's a funny dude. But I actually want to ask you, how have you kind of stayed sane during these times? Because in this season – it's it's like a roller coaster ride. Like one night you're hitting a game winner, the next night you could be spraining your ankle and out for a while. So how did you kind of stay uh, even kill and how did he help you kind of get through the injury process? Oh uh, yeah, he's always you know pushed me my whole life. Really, he's he was always good at never let, not letting me get too high, never getting too low. Um, so that obviously with getting injured, um, having a pretty good start to the season and getting injured, you know, he was there on my side, really just supporting me and you know letting me know like you got to get back right. Obviously. My my main thing is being able to play basketball on the on the court. That's what's gonna you know make me who I am. So just continuing to get better. But he's always gonna push me, and um, he's always done that since I was a little kid. What was your moment, Tyler? Did you have a moment or a season where the NBA became a possibility for you? Like, do you remember the time where you thought I can be a pro? Um, I honestly didn't really know how like good you had to be to be you know a pro. Obviously, just. Growing up, you always dream of it, but like when the opportunity came, uh, Coach Cal was in uh, Kenny Payne from Kentucky, where uh, really just let me know, like, just keep working, like, you can be a lottery pick at the end of the year, like, we're going to give you the opportunities to do it. So uh, when I knew, like, hearing that from them really, really helped me out. You're into fashion. I know you're into photography. How did you, no offense to Wisconsin. How did you get, <laughs> how, how has your, has your Wisconsin, no offense, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. I'm from Kenton, Ohio. I can't really talk. Look, I got a Browns jersey on. <laughs> how has your fashion evolved? Because Wisconsin isn't exactly the uh, the capital of fashion. I, I don't know. I guess like <laughs> it kind of just, just happened. Like I've always was, was into it. Like just seeing guys growing up on TV and, you know, post, post game conferences and stuff like that. Just seeing like how they're dressed glasses they're wearing that kind of just always was something that caught my eye and I obviously got the opportunity to just wear and show off what I wear so I just try to take advantage of it do you dress yourself or are you cheating no nah, I dress myself <laughs> are you cheating or you dress yourself <laughs> no nah, I, dr- I mean I dress myself I-, I thought about hiring a stylist before but then it was just coming to the conclusion that I'm going to pay somebody and I know there's a lot of great stylists out there but I'm so picky I'm so picky on what I like I have a hard time paying someone to go get what I like like I can just go get what I like myself but there's some stuff that maybe you can't get and you need someone to be able to get it for you which is another story but you in Miami so you can get you can get access to 
to everything. Yeah, that's everything. that's the best part about it. There's so many stores and boutiques out here with just plenty of stuff that I've never seen before. Tyler, how did you find your uh, your go to suit person? Like, what was that for you? Uh, my agency actually helped me out with that. A lady uh, out in LA um, helped me out with that. She she was the girl who did my my uh, suit draft, right. draft and uh, she did a good job with it. So I've kind of stuck with her um, ever since. CJ, who did your draft night suit? Wait, I, I still have that suit and I still can fit it. I'm oh. holding on to this. I don't know how many more years I'm gonna be able to that, fit this that suit. That thing but, uh, is hideous. Seven years later, I can still I can still fit it. And burn, no, it was gray. It was that. a gray. It was gray. I had a like a yeah. I'm looking at it now. I had a yellow undershirt. I'm about to show you. I got some haters. Hold on. It was through the agency, but um, I still have it. I still can fit it. I don't know how many more years I'm gonna be able to fit it, but. They did a great job, and I mean, I have my own suit guy that I use now, and I've, I've gotten suits from a lot of people because I like to wear suits. But um, getting back to the season a little bit, you got to play in the uh, Rising Stars game All-Star Weekend. All-Star Weekend is a beautiful weekend for everybody to kind of get together, all the players, all the agencies, all the organizations, brands are, are all there. Tell me about your All-Star Weekend experience and what you kind of took away from it. Yeah, I was um, still hurt with my injury, so I wasn't able to play, but being there was, like, big for me. I think just being a part of, like you said, All-Star Weekend, the whole experience behind it as a rookie was cool to just see everybody and really be a part of it uh, for the first time. So, you know, I hope I can get back there riding the Stars game next year or something, just be healthy and be able to play, uh, compete in those events or games. But it, it, it's cool to just be a part of something like that. Ty, what's the impact that Coach Spo has had on you? Because – you know, I, I've said for the last several years, I, I just think he's an incredible coach and communicator and the way he handles everything is so regimented. But I'm curious for you specifically, the impact that he's had on you as a player in person. Yeah, um, he's he's a great guy, great coach. Uh, I think I got blessed to be able to play for him my first my first couple of years, obviously, and hopefully longer. But, you know, just being able to you know play for him is He's a, he's a different like teacher. He teaches in a, in a different way um, that's unique, different than coaches that I've had before. Um, but he he always pushes me. You know, defensively is like really where he's on me every single day. You know, he doesn't care about my offense at all. He's just on me every day about my defense. How specifically do you think he's different than say Coach Cal? I think Coach Cal's more. He's coaching college college players for one, which is obviously different. Um, than coaching an NBA team. So I think that's one. But he just – obviously, he doesn't yell as much as Coach Cal does. Um, <laughs> he, do, he doesn't do as much yelling. But, he, you know, he just has a different different way. I don't know. It's different. Besides Jimmy, who's your favorite teammate? You know I play with Myers. Myers is a character. I like Myers a lot. <laughs> but who's your who's your favorite teammate besides, besides Jimmy? Uh, <clears throat> Myers is a character. I love Myers. Uh, I mean, I, I like everybody. We have a great group of guys in our in our locker room for sure. Um, my rookie uh, Kendrick Nunn is probably the most. I I hang out with him the most, definitely away from the court, just both being rookies. But other than that, you know, everybody's a great guy and great locker room. You brought up Kendrick Nunn, so I have to I have to bring up uh, this quote. Let me uh, let me make sure I read this right. You, Tyler, you knew that was coming. You did it. You did this. Um, I'm a starting guard in this league, Nunn said, via the Sun Centennial. I've done that all season long, and we've been a winning team, a playoff team, so I definitely proved myself there. 
I'm rookie of the year, he added. I think people will say that Moran is rookie of the year, but I don't believe it. The most value should be in the wins, and we're both starting guards on teams, and our team has been holding it down. We're a playoff team, so go ahead and give that rookie of the year to Kendrick Nunn. For one, I like the confidence. But for two, I have to ask you, I have to ask you your opinion, your take on this matter. Who do you think should be rookie of the year? Who do I think should be rookie of the year? I mean, Kendrick Nunn should definitely be in the conversation for sure. Um, I can't really say who I think would be rookie of the year. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Ja's my guy, too. Um, I think Ja's definitely deserving of the award. I think they both are. But I think what Ja's done is just obviously took things to the next level. But Kendrick does have a great point in what he said. He told no lies at all. That's a that's a heady, heady veteran move. I like how you I like how you maneuvered that. That was a vet, veteran uh, maneuver. That's how you avoid. That's how you avoid locker room confrontation. That's how you avoid headlines. So I got I got a two part question for you. First part, you played in the NBA for a season or almost a full season now. So you've been able to to play against some of the best players in the NBA. You've been able to kind of see, you know, from a work ethic standpoint, how it translates to games. If the season ended differently and you had to pick a team besides your team to win to win the championship who do you think was in position to do that first part of the question second part of the question is going to player player to player so you're going to have to remember there's two parts who do you think was going to win the championship or go to the championship besides the heat so you got to pick two and you got to pick one from the west second part jordan's documentary comes out on sunday is jordan the greatest player of all time all right, so first, so I got to pick two teams who's going to make it to the finals? East-West, yeah. Mm-hmm. Besides the Heat, though, you can't pick the Heat. You got to pretend that, like, y'all are out of it. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, the Bucks for sure, out of the East. And then for the West, I want to say, I want to say the Lakers, but for some reason, I feel like, I feel like Dallas is going to make a little run there for some reason. You picked Dallas, the sleeper team. Ooh, Dallas. <laughs> Dallas. I'm, I'm going with Dallas. Interesting. If everyone's healthy, they got to be healthy, though. What about the CJ's double-barreled uh, second part? MJ, greatest ever. Who's the greatest player of all time? Greatest player of all time? I'm, I would have to say Michael Jordan, right? Michael Jordan, yeah. <sighs> there's no right answer. I mean, I'm team Michael Jordan, but there's no right answer. Some people say Kareem, new generation kids say LeBron, some even say Kobe. So you, you can't really go wrong. But I think I think Jordan is the most dominant player of all time. I think him and Kareem, and I think LeBron is the most complete player of all time. Yeah, for sure. But I just watch videos on Jordan. I just I just like his mentality, the dog he has in him. He's just different. I can't wait to watch this documentary. I, I can't wait. Say the last dance. It's going to be unbelievable. Um, okay, Ty, here's my question. Similar to CJ's in terms of, um, well, a little bit similar. Basically, it's this. Who was the guy or who were the two or three guys that you played against this season that surprised you of, of just how good they were, that you had to guard? That you were like, I, I knew he was good, but I can't believe he's that good. James Harden was like hard to guard. He's just hard to guard because he the fouling on the three point shots and all that. It's just hard to hard to guard. Um, one guy who surprised me was uh, JJ Barea. <laughs> JJ can hoop. <laughs> he yo he was giving me buckets the whole second half. He was giving me buckets, and you know I had I had Udonis Haslam, OG at the end of the bench, telling me it's all right. He uh. 
uh, what was it? JJ Barea tore up uh, Mario Chalmers in the in the finals when he was yeah. working to. He, he, he was telling me it'll be all right. So that was that was good. Um, I think JJ and James Harden for for sure. Was the Barea stuff all pick and roll or was it ISO stuff? No, it was all pick and roll. Yeah, that's what he does. Yeah, all, all pick and roll. CJ Barea can hoop. I, I love his game. Yeah, he's smart. He's He's small, but he's strong. So, like, he gets a step on you, then he holds you off. He he throws body around in the refs. They don't call offensive fouls when you when you're under five eight. So they just you know they let him they let him get away with that. And then he's so smart and crafty around the basket. He got pivots and he can shoot. And they set them they set them picks pretty pretty high up. So you chase, he turn in the corner. You go under, it's a screen rescreen. So he can kind of get what he wants um, at times. Just got to put somebody taller on him, and then he has a little bit more trouble. See, who was your guy? I know Kobe was a big welcome to the league moment, but who was the guy that surprised you the most your rookie year or second year? Manu Ginobili used to bust my ass. Manu, Manu used to kill. Manu, Manu, Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford. All buckets. JJ Redick just bust my ass too. Yeah, but Ginobili, it was so bad because he would call for pick and roll. They would call angle. He would just be like, over and over and over again. Like when you come off the bench, <laughs> when you come off the bench, you're supposed to like try to change the game. You know what I mean? And Ginobili's coming off the bench too. So you're like, every play is for him with the second unit. So they, it's like a movement oriented, but then pick and roll. Everything expires with a, with a Manu pick and roll. And he dribbles back. Like he don't come at you. He'll dribble back to half court and come downhill full speed and snake it and arrow. And they'll run and they'll run angle over and over again. So like if he scores, run it again, run it again, run it again. So then you just like Asia is going at you. So he went to work. Jamal scored like eleven or twelve straight. Lou Williams hit like three. I fouled him on like three straight possessions because he just <laughs> grabbed my arm. So yeah. oh, it was tough. It was that was a. I was coming out the game looking at coach and coaches looking at me. I'm like, I don't know what you want me to do. Like. <laughs> Nothing I can do about this. And then JJ just push you, take off three. And when he played with CP in the start of the first quarter, so when I started, when I was a starter, the first five minutes, every play is for JJ. So like the first quarter, CP gets JJ going, and then they don't come back to him to the fourth quarter. So when they had Blake, DeAndre, Jamal, all of them, they basically was like, yo, first quarter, we got to get JJ going. And he would just, every play was for him. Yeah, he's running off pin downs, everything. Right. With a strap. He's setting screens, too. <laughs> that was tough for me because cause then you want to score, but, like, they ain't really calling plays for you. So you're like, dang, how, how I get involved if I can't <laughs> if if I can't get stops and I can't score? Like, I'm just out here wasting time. So that was that was a tough sledding for tough sledding for me for sure. I want to get on TV shows, and then if there's anything else Jordan has, go hit it before before we let you go. Oh, I think Tyler and I were talking about some Netflix stuff. We were talking about All American. I know you love that. See, I really like that show. Yeah, I'm 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 almost done with it. I want to see more. It's funny. Like, I like the story. I like the plot. I like the changes they have. I want to see more like football action. Yes. But then I realized they're not actually real football players. So it's funny to see them running routes. He running routes. It's, it's awful. They look crazy. The, the football is awful. It the looks route. so like animated. It doesn't. It doesn't look real at all. They use the slow mo. The slow mo thing on a uh, come on a comeback <laughs> route. I was like, what kind of slow mo effect? 
he ran 10 yards and stopped and turned around and slow-moed it. Like, because when you slow-mo something that's really bad, it you're trying to compensate for it. It's like if you're if you're slow-moing a guy sprinting, it makes it look like he's actually fast. It's trying to make it look good. I don't, I don't know what they were thinking. But besides besides All-American, what other shows have you been watching? Anything I need to watch? Honestly, I'm more of like a YouTube guy. Like I watch videos on YouTube, highlights and stuff like that. Right. I haven't watched much shows at all. Uh, the um, All-American is the only show I've watched. Oh, you're missing out. <laughs> oh, you're missing out. I was told, I need, yeah, everyone's telling me I need to watch Ozark. I say Ozark, Money Heist. I'm going to start Money Heist. I, I see it every day. I like watch All-American. It's right there. I just never really watched it. Yeah, I would say I would say do Money Heist. I went on the YouTube binge yesterday. I was watching like behind-the-scenes stuff. I was watching documentaries. I like those videos. Because they're, they're not as long. They're just like an hour, maybe 30 to 45 minutes short videos real quick. Lastly, you see the jersey I got on? Dog pound. I, I'm reading that you're a fan of the Baltimore Ravens. This is this is weird. No Packers? No, nah, I, like, I like the Packers. But like as of now, I'm on the – I don't want to call it a bandwagon because I'm not – because they're, I just like Lamar Jackson and uh, Hollywood Brown. I got you. But I'm okay. real life a Packers fan, though. Okay. I was just confused. I was like, I don't know anybody that's from that part of the world that doesn't like the Packers. Aaron Rodgers is like everyone's hero in, the, in like the Midwest area. I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan, but I love Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Lamar Jackson's special. I said it. I said it uh, a few years ago. We had, the, we, had, we had the fourth pick. We had another pick, and we had 31. I said we should take. Lamar Jackson, 31. He went in the second round? Last pick of the first round. But we end up taking, we took Baker, one, we had one for Baker, Denzel, and then we traded up and took Greedy in like the second round. But we had one and four, so we could have traded one, or we could have took the uh, took the DN. I like Baker, but Lamar Jackson is... Lamar, Lamar. <laughs> MVP, MVP, MVP status. But hey, this is our year. Did you uh, like the uh, the hire of the new coach? I did. I did. I think. I think he. Everything I've heard about him has been positive. Uh, people are excited. I heard he's a good guy. I heard he knows what he's doing. And I think just some continuity for Baker will be helpful. Like he's had a different coach, um, essentially every year. So I think that affects, like, from a play calling standpoint, understanding the offense. That affects everything. So just to get some consistency going forward, I think that'll be important for him. Uh, obviously, he has the weapons. He just needs some time. He needs to drive some linemen, give him some time, and then he can go to work. But I think we're going to be all right. I think we're going to be a uh, 97 uh, wild card, wild card team. With that much talent, we need we need the Browns to be 10 and 6 at least with that much talent. I said 10 and 6 last year, and we tricked off. We was missing field goals. That was bad last year. Yeah, we tricked that off, man. But I I appreciate you coming on the on the pod. Nah, I appreciate you guys just having me on here for sure. It's a real pleasure, man. Once again, we want to thank Tyler Hero for coming on the show and, and pulling up to the Pull Up Pod. We appreciate all our listeners out there tuning in faithfully. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio.com, backslash Pull Up with CJ, or wherever you get your shows. And don't forget to Pull Up. Pull Up. <laughs>